Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we uh, dig into your scripture, Lord, as we look at these verses in Matthew, Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit. Lord, I know I've asked, but I want to ask again, Lord, I just want to anoint this time for you, Lord. That this would be worship to you. This just wouldn't be a sermon or words that we would read or words that we would say, Lord. But this would be us offering worship to you, Lord. Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit just to use this time, to bless this time, to speak to each one of us, Lord. Lord, as we just sit here, Lord, as we just calm our hearts, calm our minds, Lord, put everything aside of the world, Lord, just take 40 minutes, Lord, just take 40 minutes, Lord, just to sit here and see what you would have for us, Lord. So, Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that our mouth, my mouth, Lord, would just be a, I would just be a mouthpiece for you, Lord. I just humble myself before you, Lord, before the cross right now and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, so you might want to grab your Bibles. Now, last week, anybody remember what we studied? We learned a little bit about the widow's offering. You guys remember that? But also, as we were studying that, he transitioned right into learning about Jesus' second coming. That was all in Luke chapter 21 last week. Now, because these stories, they're in chronological order, I believe as every week we really need to take a minute and just remember where we were last week in Luke chapter 21. Now, we saw from the widow's might or the, the widow's offering, we learned that what impressed Jesus was not how much one gave, it was the faith in the person's heart as they gave. Do you remember that? We saw that through that story. It was an amazing testimony of that woman. The second lesson we learned as we got into the, the other parts of Luke chapter 21 was all of us need to be watchful. Remember that? Jesus wants us to be looking. He wants us to be looking out, around us, up, all around, looking for signs, looking for the signs that lead to his second coming. We are to be expectant as we await with perseverance for our Lord. Remember that lesson? We are to be expectant. We're going to be watching. The third lesson we looked at in Luke chapter 21 was we must be ready. So we're looking, right? But we must be ready. Our response as we look at this and we read passages like this we see in Luke chapter 21 is that we should have a heart of preparedness, right? Are you ready? And here's the question, the whole thing. Are you ready at any given moment for Jesus to come? Would you? What would happen if he came, boom, right now? What would you say? Well, you'd be pretty good because you're all in church, right? What would happen though if he came later tonight at 10 o'clock? What would you be doing? Would you, you know, I don't know. Are we ready at any given moment? We're supposed to be prepared at any given moment for his coming. We learned that last week. Now this week it's interesting because Jesus is he's continuing to teach us what does it look like to be ready? It's a big question, right? Because we said we're supposed to be ready, we're supposed to be looking, but what does that really look like for each one of us as Christians? So today we're going to look at two different parables. And we're starting this in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look at the first 30 verses. We are going to probably finish this chapter 25. We'll finish it next week. Uh, but the third section, which will, then you'll see Jesus talking about the final judgment. We're not going to get into that today. We'll just stick with the first two parables today. We'll 
continue that next week. So there's kind of two parts in a sense. So as you look at these parables, as we start opening up to Matthew 25, just remember as we look at these, this is one of the last lessons that Jesus taught before he was betrayed. Think about that. The last lessons he taught. Now think about it. We have some people here that have children, some that do not, or some that, you all have families and you all have friends that you love. Think about this. If you knew you are going to die in two days, what would you want to share with those around you? What lessons would you want to teach your children, your friends, your family? This is the position Jesus is in. He's ready to be betrayed. These are the last lessons Jesus is going to teach before he's betrayed. So obviously, as we look at these last lessons, these two parables, these are the two last parables before he's betrayed, Jesus must have thought these would be of the utmost importance, right? I mean, he's, this is it. He knows he's only got this last time to teach. So this is so important. I believe this is you know, a special importance. So through these passages, as we look at this, we should be ready to learn from Jesus, right? Ready to see what he'll teach each one of us. And as we learn, we know that we're supposed to be ready. But the question is, how do we live as Christians as we are ready and awaiting his second return? What does that look like? He's going to give us some examples today. Jesus is going to use two different illustrations or two different parables or two different stories to help paint a picture in our minds. Right? We can look at an example. Each of these stories will help us to understand what Jesus would require from us as Christians as we await his coming. So two different parables. So in this first parables, this first parable we're going to look at, he's going to teach us to watch to be ready. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to read the first five verses to start. Ready? Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went, and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now as we look at these first verses, we should, maybe I think we should need a little context or a little background of how a Jewish wedding what it would be like in, Jew- in Jesus' time. So th- if we have this context for this understanding of a Jewish wedding, I think we can better understand the parable. Because we really need to understand that. So first thing you can know about a Jewish wedding, there's really three main parts of a Jewish wedding. The first one was an engagement. And in this story, obviously the engagement's taking place a long time ago. It's already happened. Then the next one is a betrothal. This has already happened in this story. Today's story has to do with the third part, which is the wedding, which would take place probably about a year after the betrothal, right? So right now, this is the betrothal. This is actual. He's getting. This is going to be the wedding feast. This is the, the big event. So as we know that, we need to know that if you look at this in Jewish culture, on the day of a wedding, what would take place? Maybe some of you studying on Jewish wedding. The bridegroom, right? He would take his guys, right? His his men, his friends, or groomsmen, if you want to call them that. And they would go to the bride's home 
on an unannounced time, usually late in the night, then he would collect his bride, and then the, bri the bride's, the, uh, once they would go there, he'd collect his bride in the wedding party, which would include all the bridesmaids, right? So they'd go to the bride's house. And then in a large procession, all of them together, right? They'd go back to the groom's house, which he had been preparing for the feast, for the wedding, for the celebration. And in Jewish times, these weddings are about seven days long, right? So seven days, and then you'd have the final wedding. So as we start this parable, it gives you an idea. This was a big event, right? Seven days long. You know, he would go to the house, he would collect the bride, and then they would go back. So these ten bridesmaids are waiting with the bride at the house, awaiting the groom to come and get them, right? They're all waiting. Very exciting, right? You can imagine. They don't know exactly when he's coming, though. So they're supposed to be ready to go. They're awaiting the bridegroom. They're waiting for him to show up. And then, show up, and they'd head over in a big procession to begin the marriage feast. I'm just to make sure everyone has a little bit of an idea how this works. So look again at verse 2. Go back and look at verse 2. What do you see there in verse 2? We see that out of these these, these ladies here, what's it say? Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. What do you think about that? I, I looked this up just to get a, it says foolish and wise. I wanted to look it up in the Amplified Version. So let's read it with the Amplified Version. Five of them were foolish, thoughtless, without forethought, and five were wise, sensible, intelligent, and prudent. Different way to say that, kind of really amplifying on what the, he's meaning there. Now realize when Jesus is saying this about these, these, pe these people, it's not that they were bad or good. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying these people are bad or good. He's saying they either made a correct or incorrect decision in being prepared. They either chose to be prepared or they chose not to be prepared. They were either wise or they were foolish. So we can see, if you look at the passages, though, look, all the bridesmaids had lamps. You see that? All of them had lamps. They all had lamps that did have oil in them. Right? At some point. Some, though, we know, the wise ones, they brought extra oil. And the foolish ones didn't bring extra oil. You notice, though, also, you look at that text... Out of the five of each, what happened to all of them, though? They all fell asleep. Interesting, right? All of them fell asleep. And I found that interesting because they were so tired of waiting that they fell asleep. Yet, as we read through this and look at this, that wasn't the problem, right? That they fell asleep. The problem that Jesus had in this was that some were prepared and some were not prepared. So that's interesting as I saw that. I want to turn to a minute, and as we ponder that, turn to Thessalonians 5, 6. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. For you all are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and the night. Now it goes, 6. So be on guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Now we see in this scripture that it wasn't doesn't appear to be the big problem that they'd all fell asleep, right? But still, if you look at other passages like that one in Thessalonians, we are to be alert and ready. But this particular parable is really addressing their preparedness. 
So look again, turn back to Matthew chapter 25. Do you notice also that the bridegroom was late? You guys see that? He was late. It says the bridegroom was delayed, is what it says in verse 5. When I read passages like this, I always ask questions, right? Why was he late? Why was the bridegroom late? I start thinking, I said, why would a man typically be late to an important event? What do you think? Why would a man typically be late to an important event? Now, according to this text, he was so late that those that were waiting on him had fallen asleep even. So this is like, he was pretty late. Now let's turn to the Bible before you think of all the answers why mine men might be late. Let's turn to the Bible and see what it says. Alright? Because I think we can get in trouble if we might answer that question. Right? Some of you might. I don't know. I know I would. So let's look at God's word here. The King's James Bible, if you look at the King's James Bible, it says the, the bridegroom tarried as the bridesmaids waited. Tarried. He was preparing his house. He was working. He was preparing the rooms in the house. He was preparing for the feast, for the wedding feast. That's why he was late. That's what had held him up. Now, he was taking care of all the details before the wedding party, before that huge procession came back to the house. That's why. He was preparing for all of them to come. Now, continue to ask yourself, what was he doing? What was he doing? Because we know this is a parable. This has a, a, a real world meaning when it's talking about the, the wedding. But this has spiritual context, right? So we're talking about Jesus here, right? So what was Jesus doing? What is he doing now for each one of us before his coming? He's preparing. He's preparing our place in heaven. You see that? Let's continue. Let's re read verses 6 to 9. At midnight, they were roused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. The big moment has came. Everybody has been waiting for this time. It's time. They've all woken up and prepared to go out to meet the bridegroom. But what happens? At this very moment, some of them now realized, all of a sudden, I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. Their lamps, they had lamps. They had them. But they had no oil left in their lamps. They had no oil to produce a fire, which would produce light. They're in big trouble. Now we see half of these ladies had prepared correctly, while the other half haven't made proper preparations, right? Some of these bridesmaids' lamps were burning brightly, ready to meet, right? While the others had burned out because they didn't have enough oil. This is a picture right here of what will happen when Jesus comes in the clouds. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians, back there again. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves, then together with him we are, 
We who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage others with these words. You see here that we need look around. We need to encourage others to make sure, absolutely make sure their lamps are full of oil. Right? Because they need to be ready for when Jesus comes. I mean, you're like, what does he mean? The lamp's full of oil. You know what? Many times in the Bible, what do you see oil referred to as? We see anointings, the oil poured out on King David. We see it all through the Bible, oil. It's also a reference to the Holy Spirit. It's a very common reference, oil and the Holy Spirit. If you look at different parables, typically when oil is mentioned, an outpouring of oil or anointing of the oil, is referring to the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, this, this lamp, what is the lamp? What holds the oil? It's us. We're the lamps. We're not the light. We are the lamp. We're just a vessel, right? That vessel needs to be full of the Holy Spirit, right? It needs to be full of the oil. So as you look at this parable, you've got to look a little more into it. We are the lamps, and the Holy Spirit is living within us. And that is what prepares us, if Christ living in us, to meet Jesus, the bridegroom, when it's time. If there's to be light in our lives, then we must have the Holy Spirit living within us. This is required. As we read this verse in Thessalonians, so that we may be called up with Jesus when the shout occurs. Do we understand this? We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus must live in us before Christ comes. You see this story? You can't, when he shows up, you can't be like this, oh, I'm going to do this right now. It doesn't work that way. We see half of these bridesmaids were prepared, and the others hadn't made the proper preparations. They weren't prepared. We can read that half of them were prepared to have their lamps ready and burning brightly, but others had burned out because they didn't have enough oil. So let's see what's going to happen to them next. Turn back to Matthew, verses 10 through 12. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. Once they had heard that the groom was near, they tried to prepare but it was too late. I see a very, very, very important point here. I hope you all see it too. When Jesus comes, listen to this close. When Jesus comes, we cannot rely on other people's preparations. We must be prepared ourselves. You see that there? They were trying to rely on these other people. We have to be prepared to meet Jesus ourselves beforehand. Let's look at the last verse in this parable, verse 13. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. This verse is speaking of Jesus' second coming. It's telling us that he will come, he will gather the saints, and we will join him in the marriage supper. Jesus is warning us that he will come unexpectedly, and we must be watching, and we must be ready for when he does return. We must be prepared spiritually to meet God. But this must be done before Jesus is coming. This is important. 
We must have a right relationship with God beforehand. So then we can attend the marriage supper. All are invited. Did you know that? You're all invited. Everyone's invited. You just got to accept that invitation. But if you accept that invitation, you need to prepare to meet God. And how you prepare to meet God is accepting Jesus Christ in your heart. To be full, full of the Holy Spirit. To have that oil pulled into your lamp. Right? I'd like to look again at the Amplified Bible. I want to look at verse 13 in the Amplified Bible. Watch, therefore, give strict attention and be cautious and active. For you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. This lesson is so, so clear. We must be ready and we must each personally, personally be prepared to meet Jesus before he comes. The cost of not being ready is too great. We see it. The door was shut. It's too great. Make sure you guys are ready today. Now. It's simple. As we look at this, get ready to look at the second parable. I want to just take a minute though. Because I want to make sure you understand a little bit about this parable. With the spiritual perspective that you're, how we're supposed to understand. And I, if you have your own Bibles... This is, you can even write this beside on the scriptures. I just want to give you some points to help you understand this parable. You can read, read it, and you can look at it. Who are the, who are the ten bridesmaids? In the picture, we know they're bridesmaids, right? We know there's foolish and there's wise ones. You know, there's five true Christians, five true believers. Then, there's five false believers that weren't prepared. Who is a bridegroom? It's Jesus. Right? It's important you know this. Look at this and look at this. Who is the bride? I didn't really mention it, but we need to know. Who's the bride? It's the church. It's all of us as a whole. Right? Groomsmen. Wait a minute. I know he didn't mention it there, but when that when he went from his house to go to the bridesmaids, he didn't go alone. He went with the groomsmen. Right? If you look at the Jewish wedding. So the groomsmen are angels. Maybe some of you haven't heard that before. I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute. The lamps in this particular parable is us. It's our bodies. We need to be filled with oil. We need to fill filled with that fuel, right? So we can have that fire in us, right? The oil is the Holy Spirit. We could call it Jesus. The door. He's talking about a door here. We read about it. It got slammed shut. After those that entered that were prepared. This is the gates to heaven. Spiritually speaking. I don't know if there's a real gate, but I think there is, because there's a city. I don't know. The marriage feast. We will join with that. That's when we join in, right? With God. We sit at the table, at the banquet table, right? So let's look back. Now we know that. Let's go all the way back. We're going to go through it really quick, because now you have that information. So it says, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids. So we got five unbelievers and five believers, right? It says they took their lamps, so they took themselves, and they went to meet the bridegroom. That's Jesus, Right? But five were foolish, five were wise. And it says, five of them were not prepared. They didn't have the oil. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. They were not prepared to meet God. If you're going to meet God, you must be righteous before God. And the only way you can do that, the only way you become righteous through God is through Jesus Christ living within you. So five were prepared, five were not. We turn the page. And it says, you know, look at uh, verse 6. We see, they were aroused by a shout. We read in Thessalonians, when... When Jesus comes, there will be a shout. We read last week, there will be lightning as far as east to the west. It will be huge. A big announcement, a shout. 
And everyone's going to run around and look up. And there'll be those that are prepared and those that are not. Those that have Jesus Christ living within them and those that do not. Now what's interesting is I told you that groomsmen are angels. Some of you might want to hunt on that one, right? When Jesus comes in the clouds, who's he come with? Angels. Right? Now this one I believe. The, the, I, I gotta get the words right. The groomsmen are the angels. So Christ is coming, right? The bridegroom is coming. He's got his his angels with him. He's coming, right? He's coming to get his bride. He's coming with the angels. That's why I say the bridesmen are the angels. Right? And he's going to, and then he's looking at the bridegroom is coming. And the bride is the church. But within the church, right, we have these bridesmaids. I know it's referring even in some of your versions, virgins. But really it's the people, right? The believers and the unbelievers. Those that are prepared and not prepared. And again, then he reminds us, us as lamps, as vessels, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? And then we can join him, right? And it says, while they're gone, it says, those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Boy, you never want to be on the other side of that door. Time is now. If anyone does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, be ready. Be ready. So interesting. You can. So the day of the marriage feast is unknown, right? We don't know when this is going to take place. Just like these bridesmaids, the bride, they didn't know exactly when he was coming. Just like we don't know. The question is, are you ready? I'm ready. I believe most of you. I know most of you, and I know you're ready. So we answer that. We're ready. But now let's look at the next parable. So we're ready. Right? We've accepted Jesus. But what does it mean to live that out day by day as we await for Christ's second coming? Jesus is going to address that. That's why I love this. He's going to show us this practical side of what it is to be prepared in the next parable. So let's look at 14 through 15. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their ability. He then left on his trip. You can look at different commentaries Try to realize how much money this was, right? Nobody really knows because we don't. It says talent in the original. We don't know what it is really a talent of. That's a measurement. Could have been gold, could have been silver, could have been bronze. We don't really know. But we assume and look in the story, this was a considerable amount of money. Some would say, you know, ten thousand dollars to the first, five thousand to the second, maybe a thousand to the third. Is some of the commentaries I read. So whatever this is exactly, we don't truly know, but we do know it was this man's, all of his money and his savings. And it was, this is a very wealthy man. So this was a considerable amount of money in his day. This one says silver, but we really don't, we really don't know that for sure. So this would have been very common, especially in Jesus' time. Before a wealthy man or a landowner would travel, he would gather his trusted servants, right? He would take them and he would divide his wealth or his money, his belongings among them. He would entrust these as good stewards while he was away. You know, they didn't really have banks. He didn't want to go bury it in the ground somewhere. So he entrusted these men while he was gone. It's very common. Now notice, look at the passage, that each person received what he knew they could handle. Think about that. God knows each of us, right? Just like this man knew his servants. 
He knew and he gave the gifts according to each of their abilities. We need to understand. It's not how much each of, it doesn't matter what each of these men got. That's not the point of how much. The point is on what gifts are given, but it's what we do with what we are given by God. It's not how much. It's what we do with what we are given according to the abilities that God sees within us. You know, if maybe for some of us it's time, something we have. Maybe it's money, some of us. Maybe it's an authority. Maybe you're in a position of authority. Maybe because of your education background, you're able to have a gift to share with others. Maybe it's your certain talents, as we see, you know, that God has given them. Or whatever it is, you are to use these gifts... Here it says, for his glory. Let's look at Romans real quick. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. It's going to talk about these gifts. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And have and if you have been have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So we see all these. How each one of us, everyone here, has gifts. You have some gift. You have some blessing from the Lord. So the question is, if we get into this parable, what are you doing with the gifts that God has given you? You should be able to answer this question. It's very serious. And you're going to see as we go through this parable, this is a serious, serious question. What are you doing with the gifts or blessings that God has given each one of you? And all of you have them. Every one of you. Some maybe more than others. But if we read this, you'll learn how that works. We'll learn more and more. So we're going to be shown three examples of what these servants did and what they received from their master, which we know their master is God, right? As we get into this parable, we know the servants are us, right? Let's just clarify that now. So now as we read this and we get into this, let's look at verses 16 through 23. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let's stop there for a second. We saw the three examples, right? I just shared. Now, the time has get, come, right? The master is calling on them. Give account. He's back. What have you done with what I had given you? you? 
while I was gone. Each servant must give his own account. That's the important part. Each servant must give his own personal account. Each person is personally liable for his own actions on what God has given them. You see that? It's not a group thing here. Each person, us individually, will be accountable, us and God. What have we done with what we have been given? It's not anyone else, just us and God. We, there will be a day. The first one we see, he says he invested the money, right? And he saw a great return. He doubled the money. Great. The second one, it says he went to work with the money, and he also did very well. He doubled the money. So these first two examples are ones that we can follow, right? What we see here basically is they took action. They did something. They got busy. They used what they had to gain more. They were prompt. They were successful. They understood also that this money was not to be left idle, but to be used to increase the master's holdings. It's kind of some big words though. They understood this money was not to be left idle, but to be used to increase their master's holdings. Think about that with your gifts from God. These are God's gifts. Now look at the passage. And we're going to learn a little bit more now here about that third servant. Verses 24 through 27. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant! You, If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Wow. We see quite a different story with the third servant, don't we? He did nothing. Um, you know, as we look at this and we're going to expound and look at this third servant, I want to look at a scripture before we get into expounding on this third servant. Turn to Luke. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12. This is a reminder as we get talking about this. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? Now we know, we know we're supposed to be faithful, right? We know that there will be a time where we will be also be held accountable. You know, when we are being held accountable, it's really about our faithfulness. Were we faithful? Were we good stewards of the things that we have been given to us? There will be a day. Looking at this story... You know, none of these servants knew when the master was going to return. But they were expected. Remember I talked about this? They didn't have any idea when he was coming back. But at a moment's notice, pretty much, they were expected to be able to give an account of what they had received. We don't know when Jesus is coming. But we will have to give an account of what we have received. Now the same is true, it's true for all of us. We must be ready to give an account of what we have been gifted to. What have we been blessed with? Um, what have you done with the gifts that God has given each one of you? If Jesus came right now, one minute later, and asked you that, what would you say? 
What are your gifts? What, have, what has God given you? What blessings? What abilities? What talents? What, we go through a whole list. What have you been doing within things? Are you faithful for what you have received? Are you a good steward with the gifts that God has given you? We must be ready. We must be faithful with these things. Look back at this passage and you see that third servant, really what it came down to with this third servant, he was selfish. He was more concerned with what would happen to him than pleasing his master. You see that? Now I will say, I'll give him some credit. He did understand that the money given to him didn't truly belong to him, but it belonged to God. I've got to give him that, right? We should all recognize that too, just as that guy recognized that. The gifts we have, are they truly belong to God. They don't belong to us. They're for His use, not for our use. They're to further His kingdom. They're not to further our kingdom. He did know that. But He didn't waste what He was given, right? He was given that bag of silver. He didn't waste it. He didn't. Think about this. Each of you are given gifts. You're given blessings. So you say, I didn't waste it. But he did nothing with it. Just as bad. Just as bad. In the end, this servant is condemned by his master for his laziness and his selfishness. Because he did nothing with the gifts the Lord had given him. Think about this. Let's see the master's response in 28 through 30. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Wow. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. For doing nothing. This is... I told you earlier, we're going to look at this and what we are to be as Christians as we await Jesus' coming. We are not to be like this man doing nothing. We are to be very active. We are never to be like this man burying our gifts and not using them. We are to get out. We are to take action. We are to do something. We are to be using whatever gifts have given you to go out and use them to further God's kingdom. We are to be using these gifts to go out and share the gospel. Just The truth here is so clear. The gifts are either being used for God's glory or they'll be taken away. That's a tough to hear. We cannot be idle for Jesus. We are either hot or cold. It's clear in other scriptures, isn't it? Another truth I saw. Our readiness for Jesus, we're supposed to be ready, is determined by how we use the gifts we are given. We are to be faithful. As we get ready to close this... I want us to all understand a principle. So I want to turn to Luke chapter 8, 8.18. You ready? Because this principle that we looked at here, we've been talking about gifts and blessings. And, you know, a lot of you think like, well, that's, you know, physical things maybe, or a talent, or an ability, or money, or... It's not. It's so much more than that. And that's why I want to look at this. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. This is big. As we close, we must remember 
That we are responsible for being prepared. We, we are responsible for our own spiritual health. So that we will be ready for when Christ comes. We are to be busy going about the work of God. We're not to be idle. He's called each one of us to do this. To be busy about His work as we await His coming. We are to be productive with the blessings or gifts that God has entrusted each one of us to. We are to be good stewards as long as we are living here on this earth. Now, how do you view these things? Do you, do you view or treat these blessings or gifting as a tool? It's a tool that we should invest in the lives of others with. That's what they're to be used for. We invest in others using these gifting and these blessings so they would in turn come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I say I look at it a different way. It's our personal responsibility to use the gifts God has entrusted us with to further the gospel. That's our responsibility. We're not to live like this third servant, living like you have nothing. Right? Because he buried it and he lived as he had nothing. He had it buried in the ground the whole time. It was there the whole time. He could have been using it. But he chose to not to do it that way. You've been blessed, every one of you. Use it. Because there are resources, the resources, the blessings that each of us are giving, they are either, we saw it here, right in the scripture, they, these giftings, these blessings are either multiplying in your life, they're growing because you're giving more, because you're using, you're being faithful, or they're being taken away. We must, we must be faithful. I want to close with one verse. The worship team can head up. We're going to look at Luke chapter 17, verse 10, as the worship team heads up. Luke chapter 17, verse 10. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. That's how we're to use these gifts and these blessings. Doing our duty. We must be faithful about doing God's work but also, as we're to be faithful about doing that, we're to do it with a servant's heart. Please pray with me. Everyone, please stand. We will close with some worship. I want to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much just for this opportunity to study your word, Lord. As we look at this and we look how we're supposed to be as Christians, Lord, as we look and await for you to come, Lord, pray. As we look and await for you to come down with your angels, for you to draw us up to go to that marriage supper, Lord. We're to be watchful. We're to be looking. We're to be looking for the signs, Lord. But as we look for the signs, Lord, you're clear here, Lord, how we are to be as Christians here on earth. We're not to be idle. We're not just to be sitting around. Lord, you have given, bestowed on each of us different giftings, different blessings, Lord, according to each of our abilities, Lord. Each one of us has a purpose, Lord. And we have what we need to fulfill that purpose, Lord. You've given that to each one of us, Lord. But we're not to bury it in the ground, Lord. Not like this third servant. We're, we're like to be like these other two. We go out, we invest in it, Lord. We work on it, Lord. We're purposeful, Lord. We're using these giftings, Lord, to further your kingdom, Lord. To share the gospel with others, Lord. So, Lord, I know everyone here, maybe they're wondering, you know, some are even wondering, what are the gifts, what, what blessings, how can I be used, what do you have for me? Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would reveal to each and every one of us today, Lord, a gifting, a blessing, an anointing, a commission. 
Lord, speak to them. Let them know that. Let them see that. Then, Lord, equip them through your Holy Spirit to walk in that calling, Lord. To walk forward, to take action. Lord, to go out. Lord, not to be idle, sitting around. To go out, Lord, and use this to further the kingdom of God. Lord, you've warned us and told us, Lord, if we will go out and we will be faithful, you will multiply these giftings and these blessings. If we are faithful, more is to come. But Lord, if we are not faithful, if we do like this third servant, just bury it in the ground and walk around like we're poor, they will just be taken away. So Lord, just reveal in each one of us, Lord, how we can do this, how we can walk this out practically in each of our lives, Lord. That we would be faithful about doing your work with the gifts that you've bestowed on each one of us. And we would see fruit, Lord. Just like these tourists do. They saw fruit. They saw results, Lord. They doubled. And you said, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear, Lord. I want to hear that for every person here that hears this message. Well done, good and faithful servants. Because we got out there and we used the things that we've been blessed with to serve you. So Lord, show us how that's done this week. I want to hear testimonies. I want to hear people come and saying, I wasn't sure if this is what I was called to do, but the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. But I have that gift of teaching. I have the gift of helps. I have the gift of serving. I have the gift, oh Lord, there's just so many different ones. We can go through. But each person here, Lord, let them know what that is. Let them walk in that and then multiply that gifting. Multiply that blessings in their lives so that they can go out and serve you, Lord. Lord, I praise you and I thank you, Lord. I pray for myself, Lord. As I preach this message, Lord, that I would be a good and faithful steward of everything you bestowed on me. That I would use it all, Lord. That I would never, ever sit idle. But I would always be out there sharing the good news and using these things so others would come to know your forgiveness, your redemption, and your promises. In Jesus' name, amen.